0: Today, Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Monday, March the 12th, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Your second daily dose of happy for the day. And we are into a new week we uh we get excited about mondays around here because we're a little bit wacky but that's what happens when you study law of attraction long enough you start to get wacky and feel good wait a minute
1: well i think we're wacky every day don't just leave it to monday only but i'm living
0: in the moment and the moment is monday
1: (laughs) okay all right i'll give you that one you win
0: Oh, but seriously, you're right. We do every day. We're always enjoying every day. We're always having fun every day. And that's why we ask people to keep coming back every day for their daily dose of happy. Where else are you going to get it? I mean, come on. What are you going to do? You're going to watch the latest uh, you know, uh, Law and Order or something like that? That's not going to give it to you. I promise you. Nope,
2: nope, nope.
0: nope. So how are you doing? What's new at your, in your end of the woods there?
1: Oh, life is good. Um, I've been reading more in my Seth books. Ah. Which, for those who've never heard of Seth, he's similar to Abraham, except instead of being a collective consciousness of beings, he's one individual being or entity, and he was received through a woman named Jane Roberts, and that was done mostly in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's so interesting, when you read that their books, it, um, it's like that was the day of when... Um, ESP extra sensory perception was brand new and she taught classes on that. But mm. anyway, um, so I'll tell you, Seth books can sometimes be so um, I don't even know if complex is the word, but not written in a way that's an easy read, put it that way. This is
2: true. <laughs> it's this so true.
1: dense and thick with insight, which amazes me because these books are all at least 300 pages long. and so I. Um, sometimes I'll start reading Seth, you know, and I'm like really into it. And then I feel the need to put it down and I haven't touched them for probably about four or five months. And this weekend I just thought sitting on my nightstand, I went, Ooh, I think it's time. <laughs> so over the weekend, I probably read in maybe six different intervals, but I can't read very much at one time. But what was fun is that I always gained new insights. And it's not like insight that we talk about on Law of Attraction, although it fits into Law of Attraction, but they're bigger concepts. It's about like the dimensionalness of our being. Mm-hmm. And so it's always like big and huge. And so honestly, right now, couldn't tell you one thing I learned, but <laughs> I know it's expanded who I am and how I think. Um, well, I did I can... download different things I learned with a friend last night, so I know I captured them, but... It's big stuff, and it's fun. It's very fun to to view the world from a new dimension.
0: Well, it's interesting you should say that because Tom and I have been delving into their book, The Nature of Personal Reality. And I, I think our listeners can also say, yeah, that stuff's pretty dense, really too dense for Ooh. reading on the air. We're not going to do that part anymore. Um, we're going to reduce it to telling their stories and and maybe doing some synopses of of the chapters because mm. Tom and I agreed after today's podcast it was way too deep, <laughs> way way too oh, deep. so was but,
1: today the first day you ever did a Seth book?
0: Uh last Friday actually was the first day. Today was the okay. second day. We we're on chapter two this you know, for this morning's podcast, and I mean it's interesting stuff for sure. And there is an awful lot of, of overlap with what Abraham teaches, but you're right, the, the concepts mm-hmm. are really presented quite differently. Um, and what I was noticing this morning is that they're presented extremely abstractly, and abstract is hard. I mean, anybody who's gone to college knows how hard abstract is because that's the way college textbooks are written, right? They're all abstract. and I don't
1: know what that means. Help me understand that.
0: Meaning that they're all written in terms of theoretical construct. There's very little in the way of... of um, of here, here's my story and and what I did in my life. It's more like, well, you have to understand how the structure works and and the widget is connected mm-hmm. to the thong and blah, blah blah. You know, it's like, what the heck are you talking about?
1: <laughs> okay, well now I have a new word. It's an abstract, and and now it's fun because I can say, oh, Seth books are just much more difficult for me to read because they're written in the form of being an abstract. <laughs> they're abstract. It's yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Abstraction is difficult. Hey, anybody who's seen abstract painting knows how difficult abstract can be. <sighs> let me tell you. <laughs> so, I mean, personally, I uh, never really felt for the whole idea of an ear being larger than the head, but what the heck, you know,
1: <laughs> but you know what? I will share this one concept because it's something, I think I'm on my third book and I did read the one that you and Tom are, are working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that lots of times there's overlaps from one book to another. Hmm. And I know that in the other two that I read, I got this idea, but it was, for whatever reason, it was hard for me to, like, really hold on to. But now I kind of get it. And so one of the, and I think it's fascinating that, and I part of what I know from just psychological developments, you know, from science, you know, um, I have an understanding that, like, our conscious brain is not fully formatted, or, or not listen to me talking like a computer geek. It's not <laughs> fully formed. <laughs> I
0: think you need to do a reboot, um, Wendy. Turn,
1: yeah. Anyway, our conscious mind is not ready to roll just because we're born. And it usually takes until we're about 18-ish um, for our conscious mind to be fully developed, where our logical mind is there and where we can think in terms of rationale and logic and all that kind of stuff. Well, okay, that I've always understood, but what I didn't recognize is that Seth talks about how consciousness itself actually has been in a continual uh, growth or expansion, and so who human beings have been in terms of consciousness has not always been what we know today. Mm. As a matter of fact, I remember. I think it's in the book you're reading. They talk about how, um, like the ego, apparently at once upon a time didn't exist, and then the ego kind of came into consciousness, and then the ego kind of grew and changed forms and, and that kind of thing. And then
0: it Which became I president. I find but yeah. that
1: fascinating. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. What did you say? Well, and
0: then, and then it became president.
1: however you want to look at it but it's kind of like Seth talks with such big um, expanded view of us as eternalness and eternal beingness um, that I guess you know here I am born in this reality not thinking that really that much came before me Except in history, okay, I know the clothing looked different and I know the tools were different <laughs> <laughs> and I know they didn't have air conditioning, but I've never thought in terms of our consciousness shifting and changing and how our relationship with the earth has changed and our relationship with animals has changed. And like something I read this weekend, even talked about many, many, many gazillions of years ago. Um, There was a time when man actually communicated so effectively with animals that animals had like an understanding of different plants, like for medicinal purposes, and that man learned that from the animal. I thought that was fascinating.
0: Well, no wonder Dr. Julie Little was so popular. I mean, he, he, he learned all this stuff by talking to the animals. I, I get it.
1: So it depends. There you go. And then he and they. He even talked about like all the gods we've ever heard about the man like the man animal gods and the sun gods and mermaids and all these things that we think of as like myths or giants or um, uh, small people. Apparently, in different parts of civilization. All of those things existed. All of those beings existed. But as time moved forward, it's kind of like
2: uh,
1: people would talk about it with their children and their children's children. But now those things were now extinct. So there was no, in a way, proof. And so it became myth. But I think it's fascinating that those myths were based on reality. Mm Mm-hmm. On some on some level, and I was like, "Well, that's pretty cool too."
2: Yeah, so whole, anyway, this that's whole Seth thing my synopsis is,
1: of my weekend reading. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it's good. And this whole Seth thing is is a little fascinating for a number of reasons. Because first of all, like you say, a lot of what uh, Seth teaches overlaps with Abraham considerably. Um, mm-hmm. I did I have noticed one thing so far after just two chapters that seems to be an interesting little discrepancy, in that Abraham tells us. That when we are asleep, we're not attracting anything. But Seth suggests that we're involved in all kinds of alternative cultures and so forth. And the law of attraction applies everywhere. So I presume that means it is in action. So which is it? Is it in action or not in action when we're asleep? I don't know.
1: Well, I will say this that I, something I heard Abraham say lately, which really kind of put what you're talking about in balance, is. A workshop participant asked Abraham a very pointed question, kind of like, when I, when I die, because I'm a human, when I die and I return, will I come back as a human? The answer was yes. So my dog, when my dog dies, will my dog come back as a dog? Abraham said, yes. And then the man said, is it ever possible or or is it ever possible for a human to come back as something else, as a non-human. And Abraham said yes. And then Abraham went on to say, when you, the human, are asking the question, we always say yes. And if the dog was asking the question, we'd always say yes. And the reason we do that is because so many have a hard time believing it's even possible for us to be such multidimensional beings that we only, it's kind of like they only limit their conversation to that which they um, presume that the room can handle hearing. Hmm. And they talked about how we are multidimensional beings and there's a part of us that's involved in all sorts of things at, at the very same time. But that's kind of like sometimes beyond what most humans can even handle. Okay. And so what I found fascinating about their explanation one, yes, the content was fascinating, but what I found fascinating was where I would tend to think, well, Abraham, in the past, you said X, y, Z. I took that very literal, and now I'm recognizing, okay, it may not be literal. It may just be what that person could handle hearing at that moment.
0: Which is actually a little problematic when you think about it, because now you have to know how to filter for whoever asked the question.
1: A little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and what I have at heard them say many
1: times, we answered this for the person who was sitting in the hot seat. Yeah. And like a person in the hot seat, I was listening to something last week, and the person in the hot seat said, Well, but what about, you know, one of your practices in asking it is given, the such and such process? And I said, Yes, that's a good process, but not for you.
2: Oh. And <laughs> the
1: person's like, But why not? And they said, Because. You're not in that emotion, uh, in that vibrational set point where that particular process would help move the needle for you. Uh What you need is one of these other things Mm -hmm. that are based on where your vibration is at this moment.
0: Which, to be fair, they actually spelled out in Asking It Is Given because each one of those processes tells you, well, you want to be within this range in order to use this particular process,
2: right? Yeah,
1: but you know, if you haven't even learned how to. Decipher where you are on the emotional guidance scale, right because you haven't learned how to really tap into what do you feel, then it's hard to even follow their prescriptive uh processes like this one is good if you're at this point, and this one is good if you're at this point because if you can't figure out what point you're at <laughs> <laughs> it's real so then there's the catch all meditation mm. that's the one that works for everything, no matter what level you're
2: at <laughs> true
0: enough. True enough. Well, we're going to be continuing looking at the book, The Law of Attraction, The Basics of the Teachings of Abraham, and we're in the last six pages of part two. Um, So we're definitely going to get to that. Before we do, though, I want to climb down one more rabbit hole, if you don't mind, Uh, because the the whole topic of Seth... I
1: love rabbit holes! I know
0: you do. That's why I figured I'd bring it up. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) regarding Seth, Seth brought up something that Abraham has kind of hinted at, too. And I've... Louise and I were trying to get our minds around this, get our heads around it, um, last night actually, in conversation. And that is the idea that everything, including like rocks, have points of consciousness. And mm-hmm. the question that I was trying to answer is, why would a sentient non-physical being want to come here as a rock? I don't understand the motivation. That's a,
1: that's a cool insight or a cool curiosity. Um, I guess this is just my, my thinking on it, that you're thinking about it from a human perspective. And if you were a rock, you probably would find incredible value in being a rock. But because you and I don't share a whole lot in common with a rock, I don't think we can understand a rock.
0: I don't even understand how a rock interacts with the environment. I mean, we have five senses. What does the rock have? Rockishness?
2: (laughs) I don't know. It has it has consciousness.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it apparently isn't using anything similar to human senses. So, is it just using like you know universal vibration? What's it doing? I
1: don't know. I don't know. I I, I certainly don't mean to be at all um, uh, condescending or rude, but I think it's kind of uh, narrow-minded to think that we as humans should personify everything in terms of what has value to us
0: well i'm not suggesting that that we should i'm simply raising a question i'm curious why does somebody want to be here as a rock i don't understand the reason Why you no know, that's not condescending okay. it's just i don't understand
1: well <laughs> could you understand the reason why any entity would want to be a roach not really Okay, could you understand why any entity would want to be um, a raindrop?
2: Well,
0: it's a wet occupation, but no, not really.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so I guess that's my point, which is we're human, and we see the world and experience the world through our human senses and Mm -hmm. our humanness. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: And I believe there are many, many, many life forms that are far different from us that we can't totally comprehend. I think we could because comprehend I them. I,
0: I think we just lack the data, personally. I, okay. I, I, don't th- I think we have imaginations. If we have imaginations, we can imagine almost anything. Certainly, I think that we want to attract. Well, then, yeah, I mean, if we had enough data, we could imagine being a rock. I, I can kind of do it to a certain extent right now, especially if I'm like a rock in a particular location. So if I'm a rock on the top of Mount Rushmore, well, the view's good. you know. So if I have some way of, of, of you know, perceiving but the view, that's a, that's a good eyes, thing. But if it doesn't have eyes, then
1: what good is the view?
0: Well, that's why I'm asking. I wonder if there is something that, that it has. <laughs> just playing, maybe maybe
2: playing it just enjoys Virginia. it
0: vibrationally, you know? Or maybe it just waits for a nearby animal to come by, and then it hooks on the animal and say, okay, let's see what's going on around here. <laughs> I don't know.
2: All I'm saying is it, it,
0: that that's about as far as I know how to go in terms of imagining it. But if I had well, more data, would, then I could probably imagine more.
1: Now, I don't know if what I'm going to say will help to even suffice at all what you're asking. But one of the paragraphs I recall reading yesterday had to do with dolphins ah. and how, you know, it's like we in humandom have come to the science of understanding like that dolphins are very intelligent and that they have very unique communication skills Mm -hmm. Um, but what Seth elaborated on was how dolphins have like more almost more intelligence than humans and as a characteristic they are incredibly loyal and family centric and incredibly helpful and that as a species they're known to help like almost anything and anybody that is in need of rescue. And I know that there have been stories about how dolphins have rescued humans, you know, when they were like out in the middle of nowhere and they got stranded. I know such stories exist, but that they also rescue other sea life, other things within the water. Um, And what that caused me to do, that really expanded my thinking because I went, I have never thought about the world From any other um, entity, any other mammal's point of view or an animal's point of view of how they look at the world, I only think about how I, as a human, look at the world and how mammals and animals and bugs and trees and nature fit into my world. Mm -hmm. But I never thought about it, if you're a dolphin, thinking about how do humans fit into their world and how do other sea life fit into their world? And it just, I don't know, it just caused me to kind of tilt my head in a different way, like, never thought about that before.
0: Well, you've clearly never read Douglas Adams then, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, (laughs) because one of the things that he postulates in his books is that dolphins are more intelligent than humans, but they're not the most intelligent beings on Earth.
1: Does he say who is? Or what is?
0: Yes. White mice. Huh. And all those experiments we think that we're doing on them, they're actually doing them on us.
2: <laughs> I'm well, serious. That's okay, what the book so says. Even,
1: I love that way of thinking. Whether <laughs> it's true or not doesn't matter. But what is fascinating is that causes one to think about the world from a different species perspective.
0: Well, like, this wow. is true. The thing is, you got to be careful with Douglas Adams because later on in his book, Earth gets destroyed because it's being put out of the way to create space for a hyperspace bypass.
1: Well, I'm not going down <laughs> that author's path. You just mentioned something, and I just like I like it when I can expand my thinking beyond how it has normally thought.
2: Well This is true. because yes. if
1: I, if I can think about things in terms of what what our species was many years ago, or how animals interact with us, or how our consciousness is constantly being created and expanded. It kind of takes me from thinking that I'm the center of the universe to recognizing I really am just a speck in the wholeness of it all, and yet I'm everything simultaneously. Mm. And I kind of like that.
0: Yeah, that's true. There's a lot you know, of we're the different different microcosm
1: and the macrocosm.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Of course, it'll also give you a headache if you stay on it too long. But it's still, it's good. It's good to do that.
1: Which is why I take Seth in small bites and then have to go eat or take a nap or go
2: take a walk. It's
0: probably <laughs> best. It's that's bad. probably a good plan. I would have to say after yeah. two episodes of doing Seth, that's I would say that's a very noble plan because you like to maintain your sanity, and that's a good thing.
1: <laughs> Most of the time, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but I, I guess I love thinking in terms of, you know, where am I in the wholeness of what I'm reading? It's like, okay, so I know I have an ego. I know that I have consciousness. Um, I know that my cells have their own points of attraction and they're working with me or against me. Well, never against me. Sometimes I'm working against them, but, um, I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. And I don't know, today is like esoteric conversation
2: day. <laughs> mm.
0: Well, plus we also have to kind of make sure we pay attention to the authors themselves. I mean, you said you didn't, didn't want to go down uh, the path of Douglas Adams' novels. And that's, that's actually probably a smart thing because one of the things that he tells in his story is how um, the mice were actually using the earth as a great big laboratory to try to come up with... Uh, the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. And the reason they wanted the ultimate question is they already had the answer. The answer, as it turned out, was 42. And so they (laughs) wanted to know what the question was that would lead to that answer. And uh, unfortunately, just before they found what the question was, the Earth got destroyed by that hyperspace bypass that I mentioned. So they did a second experiment and found what the ultimate question was. You know what the ultimate question was? The ultimate question is, what do you get when you multiply 9 by 6? And they said... Nine times six, 42. No wonder the universe is so messed up. And that's how I know atoms is full of it, because the universe isn't messed up.
1: <laughs> okay, so now you're making one, is it nine times six, 54?
0: Yes, it is, normally.
1: Okay. <laughs> All of a sudden, I had to check my math. And that's right. <laughs>
0: See, this is how Douglas Adams just plays with his reader's mind. He just twists it into these little tiny pockets of twistedness and says, okay, now I'm going to really mess with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and another thing that, I mean, I started to learn this from Abraham, but then it expanded more with Seth. And I mean, I've listened to others that are, you know, um, uh, be- beings from beyond, um, and I, I've listened to a lot of the wisdom that they have to share. Bottom line, if it doesn't line up with me in terms of does it resonate with me, I let it go. I put it on a shelf.
2: Yeah, so if anybody who's
1: listening and think we are off in wacky world today, well, we are. Know, Wendy and Walt does point. wacky world, um, that's okay. <laughs> I are. can handle being called wacky. I'm guilty. Um, yep.
0: That's me. Yep.
1: <laughs> just Put the information on, on a shelf because, you know... I first, when I first heard about Abraham back in 2002 and listened to, I think I had about 10 different cassette tapes of theirs from different workshops, I thought it was all kind of nice, but I didn't put a whole lot of credence into it. It was just kind of like, yeah, that's nice. And it wasn't until 2007, I think, when I was really seeking for bigger answers. And what came to me was, yeah, who, who are those people or what was that group that I was Mm. listening to from those cassette tapes? And I went and Googled and I found them Mm -hmm. and I was ready for it then.
2: Yeah.
0: That's the key. And then this
1: stuff that seemed really lighthearted and weird, you know, like, yeah, whatever, all of a sudden became the basis of something really significant from my understanding.
0: And you're right. You have to be ready for this stuff because it's not easy. None of this stuff is easy. Anything that has a metaphysical tag to it is not easy. But it's certainly worthwhile if you're asking questions and this material can answer those questions. That's there. I don't think there's mm-hmm. any dispute about that at all. Um, well, I mean, and it
1: was fascinating because as I was reading Seth yesterday, I was thinking about, well, how do I fit into this? And the fact that I'm a teacher of law of attraction, and you know, is there something beyond the law of attraction that would be appropriate for me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I got to tell you, my inner being jumped in to answer those questions. Really? And it went, yeah, it went something like. There are many schools of thought. There are many ways to learn things. This one happens to fit my personality. And the audience that wants to listen to me in particular, they will be attracted because this fits their personality as well. Okay. But, but there will be many audiences because there's gazillions of people on the planet that will not resonate with the way I'm teaching Law of Attraction or the way, you know, we're presenting it on this show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and therefore they won't be attracted. And if somebody suggests they listen and they do as a courtesy to somebody and they might go, "Yeah, doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And it won't light their bells. Okay. You know, but I was thinking about many other modalities and other thought processes that I have um, come across in my life experience. That once upon a time, I was curious, I was interested, I learned it. And then when it's over, I went, yeah, doesn't feel like something I want to continue with. Mm -hmm. Glad I experienced it. Glad I was open to learning about it because it definitely gives me a a point of commonality when I run into someone else. Um, Like if somebody else is saying, oh, I do Reiki, I'll say, oh, cool. I mean, I know what Reiki is. Mm -hmm. I understand Reiki. They'll say, do you practice it? No. Oh, well, don't you want to? No, it didn't resonate with me. But do I believe in it? Yes, absolutely. I believe in a lot of things that I don't personally practice Mm -hmm. because they don't resonate with me.
0: That makes sense. I mean, I know where Reiki is concerned. It wasn't so much what Reiki did for me. I was able to take a very basic Reiki practice and use it to help my wife whenever she gets headaches and stuff like that, and it, it inevitably works. And I'm thinking, wow, this is cool stuff. So you know, regardless of whether I use Reiki in my daily life, I really don't. Nevertheless, there's that one tool that's been really useful. So, hey, mm-hmm. hats off to it. I mean, I, be-
1: I believe in the power of essential oils. I okay. hardly ever use them, but I don't judge somebody who does because that's what resonates to them. You know, just like if somebody uses medicine, um, even if it's synthetic drugs, if they believe in it, it will help them. This is true. Do I go down that road? No. But then, you know, there's a lot of wacky things that I do that other people don't.
0: <laughs> We're living in, in a I've belief been... universe. We live in a universe where belief governs, really. And, and Exactly. Once we come to terms with that, then, well, geez, I mean, there are no limits to the number of things that people can believe. And, well, you know, and how the, successful the they're going to be is going to be.
1: trumps almost everything, belief trumps a lot of facts. <laughs> Things Which is that some unnerving. belief Trumps that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, it's quite unnerving, but there's truth to it. I, Twenty years ago, I would have disagreed. Now, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not going to disagree with that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've learned the hard I mean, way. If,
1: I mean, if you truly believe in something, then that is your reality. Yeah, it's true. It's you know, truth. and if it's not, if, if a belief is not in somebody's system of what they believe in, then that is not in their reality. And so, you know, there's so, like even products, you know, there's so many products that are available, whether it's for weight loss or hair growth, or <laughs> you know, just about anything under the sun, you know, the hair growth people, you know, uh, whether it's Rogaine or Men's Health Hair Club, Hair Club for Men, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's like they every one of these products is going to have a plethora of testimonials. Sure. But that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And if you read the testimonials and hope and pray and are crossing your fingers that you'll have the same results as them, but you're pretty skeptical, chances are it won't work for you because your belief system's not lined up with it.
0: Yeah, it especially doesn't work very well if you buy seasickness pills and one of the adverse side effects is nausea.
2: (laughs) 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 make that up because <laughs>
1: that's really funny
2: <laughs>
1: i can see that being on like dramamine or something that's you know, right, side yes. effect. <laughs> oh that's funny
2: actually i did make oh, well, that up but i'll credit this, for this it this is anyway. why
1: we do have an entertainment program here i am talking about some really serious subject <laughs> And now I can't even remember what I was talking about because you made me laugh. <laughs>
0: well, that's probably a good segue because we really need to get to the book anyway. We, we, we we're we're halfway through the show and we haven't touched on it yet, so we should really do that since we said that's what the show's going be because
1: you don't want to rewrite the
2: subject heading for today's show. <laughs> this
0: is true. I hey, you got me nailed. I try very hard to do as little work as I can where the podcast is concerned because I'm, otherwise I'd go nuts rewriting all the time. So absolutely, I totally mea culpa. I am guilty. I agree.
1: Okay. <laughs> (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and talk about the book, The Law of Attraction, The Basics of the Teachings of Abraham. Um,
0: I hope I'm not dragging you there.
2: (laughs) No, no, no.
1: Come on. If you're on the paperback, we're on the top of page 67. Yes, we
0: are. And this is entitled, How Can I Assist Those Who Are Feeling Pain? Which is actually a very important thing, as I mentioned when I was uh, talking about using Reiki to help my wife. But Jerry asks, I live a joyous and glorious life. But I am often aware that there is much agony being experienced in the world around me. What could I do to make this life experience painless for everyone?
1: Well, that in itself is a really big, tall order. It really what is. What can I do to make this life painless for everyone? I already know Abraham is going to say, you cannot create in someone else's world. But let's see what Abraham says for, in the book.
2: <laughs> well, we oh my s-
1: God, this is so, my, this is so funny. Yep. Abraham says, you cannot create in the experience of another because you cannot think their thoughts. There you go. I think I've listened to a little bit of Abraham? <laughs> Just a bit, yeah. But that's all right. <laughs> it, is, it is the thoughts they are thinking, the words they are speaking, or the acts they are doing that is bringing forth the emotional response, in parentheses, agony, from their inner being. They are creating their own agony by giving thought to that which they do not want. Now, what you can do for them is to set the example of joy. Becoming a being who thinks only of that which he is wanting, who speaks only of that which he is wanting, and does only that which he is wanting, and therefore brings forth only joyful emotion.
0: So Jerry says, yeah, I can do that. I can focus on what I want on that joy, and I can learn to allow them to have whatever experience they create. So would it be accurate to say that if I focus on their painful experience, that I will now create pain in my own experience and then I'll be setting that example, the example of a painful experience.
1: And Abraham said, Well, let us say that someone is in pain, comes to you, it comes into your experience, and as you see them in their painful situation, a desire wells up inside of you that they find that they find the way out of their painful situation. I'm gonna just start this one over again. Yeah, that's quite a sentence. Okay. Yeah. I know. So Abraham says, let us say that someone in pain comes into your experience, and as you see them in their painful experience, a desire wells up inside of you that they find the way out of their painful situation, so their pain only brushed up slightly, brushed, only brushed you slightly as you quickly identified your desire for the joyful solution.
2: That was a lot
1: of blah, blah, blah. They don't always talk the same way we do.
0: No, not at all. Okay.
1: So then they said, if you then return your undivided attention to their successful resolution of their painful situation, you would feel no real pain, and you could be the catalyst to inspire an actual solution for them. That is an example of what true upliftment is. However, if you only focus upon their pain or upon the situation that has caused it, you'll activate within yourself the vibration that matches that and you will also begin to feel pain as you then begin the attraction of what of which you do not want
0: so in other words as usual abraham takes a relatively simple answer and makes it very complex but <laughs>
1: <laughs> bottom line
0: is yes but with with provisos that's basically what the answer
2: is
1: <laughs> well i think the The key thing, the key turnaround they were saying was kind of in the upper part. um let's see so then a desire wells up inside of you that they f- so in other words, you're thinking this, and all of a sudden what comes to mind is that you're able to see how they can find a way out of their painful situation, so their pain only brushed you slightly as you quickly identified your desire for their joyful solution. Mm-hmm. so what I think I get from that. Is so you have somebody show up in your life experience and let's say they're not doing well and what they have the flu and they're talking about all their symptoms. And so ever so slightly in the that first moment they're talking about their stuff, you brush up against it slightly in Abraham's words. But then if you kind of pivot your thinking almost immediately to finding yourself seeing in your own mind's eye how the flu is turning around for them and and how the flu has caused them to take a couple days off of work, which they totally needed because they needed some R&R and how, you know, as they're getting this R&R, they're feeling better, they're feeling stronger, they're reading law of attraction books and they're starting to feel empowered. And so if here I am the one experiencing the person with the flu and I start having that imagination in my mind, then I can see how that could help one, me feel better Mm -hmm. and not take on their stuff. But if they're open, they can actually start to receive energetically my imagination Mm -hmm. for them. Well, and feeling good.
0: So it's a win-win really.
1: Yeah. I mean, is that kind of what you take from what they said?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, the the main thrust of it is, yes, it can be a painful experience for you, or yes, it doesn't have to be a painful experience for you. It just depends on how much time you spend on the painful side of it. Mainly, you just want to get over to that joyful side so that you can have a positive influence on them that way. And ultimately, well, I think that's the truth.
1: And I do know that if, if somebody comes up to you and starts talking about something that you don't like to listen to, um, like I'll use politics for an example. Because um, I have a number of people that used to love to talk politics with me, and just just the thought of politics, you know, they just can mention anything, and something inside me begins to cringe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I keep myself away from people who talk politics. So for for the most part, I hardly have any. You, you probably talk politics more than anybody with me, and you hardly ever talk about it because you're only <laughs> telling me how you don't want to talk
2: about <laughs> it. Pretty much, yes.
1: <laughs> um. But if, because I've set my environment where I don't have people talking politically around me, then my world feels pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. But what happens is, let's say I go to the grocery store and I'm standing in line and I hear two people behind me and they're talking politics. Well, I can't always control my environment. And, And yet, in a way who I am, I've done a pretty good job of trying to, you know, keep all those political people who want to talk about that out of my space. But you know, life is what life is. And if I'm in the grocery store, and I hear people talking about it, and I start to feel that, what that tells me is, all I really did was changed my environment outside of me. But I didn't clean up my in inside environment. True. Because it takes nothing but somebody talking about politics to reactivate my loathing of the conversations of politics. True, yeah. And so when I find myself in situations like that, it reminds me, oh, one, I did a good job of cleaning up my environment outside of me, but two, I neglected completely cleaning up the internal environment exactly and then i know because i have something in my life that's something similar to that where i'm like huh i thought i didn't wasn't having to deal with this anymore because i thought it was done out of my life but man something like just breezed up against me and i went off like a short fused explosion and i went well that was reactivated pretty darn easily so i'm like i gotta own that one and find out what it is inside of me and what what, what is keeping it active? Because honestly, in the moment, it shocked me that my short fuse went off. It shocked me because I didn't know it was still there.
0: I have to admit there have been times where I have run into a subject along the lines of what you're talking about, something that uh, I have a, a hot, sensitive touch to, and definitely on, on a regular basis try to avoid it, and I find it bumping up against me, and I am often able to perhaps stop myself from going off on it but I'm still sensitized to it to some degree so I'll say something like what part of no thank you did you not understand the first time (laughs) just trying to push it (laughs) away again right (laughs) which is interesting because I would think after I have you know come to the conscious decision okay I'm going to clean this up I'm going to get it out of my way somehow I don't clean it up entirely I clean it up enough that it's no longer a big sting kind of a situation But it's still there enough that I feel a little annoyed and annoyed enough to say, you know, I already said no, thank you. Get out of here. (laughs) I don't understand why I do that.
1: And this might be along a similar path to what you're you're experiencing. But like yesterday, um, you know, it was kind of my day to do whatever the heck I wanted. Or maybe it was on Saturday, one of the days of the weekend. Well, the whole weekend it was for me to do what I wanted. But on Saturday, I chose I don't want to get dressed. I don't want to leave the house. I just want to be house bunny and stay in the house and enjoy. So it was maybe one, two o'clock in the afternoon and somebody rings my doorbell. Well, I purposely went to the door because I knew I was expecting a couple um, packages. And, you know, I don't know if you know, but Amazon now delivers on weekends. Oh, yes. So um, it was a Saturday. And I also know that my, I didn't know if something was coming like UPS, FedEx or through U.S. post office and when my postman has a package for me he always comes to my door he rings my doorbell he puts the package on this little pedestal mm-hmm. i have and then he walks away sure well i got downstairs and i had looked out the window and i didn't see any vehicles but i thought you know but sometimes like even if it's ups they're so fast at ring the doorbell jump back in their truck and they're gone so i looked out my peephole and i saw somebody and i thought well maybe it's a re- Placement or a different postman, and so silly me, I opened the door just a little teeny bit because I I wasn't dressed, and well, I wasn't naked, but you know, I wasn't dressed
2: for (laughs) (laughs) opening the door fully. Right.
1: Yeah, and um, this man is standing kind of back, and he has a clipboard, and he has another man behind him, and you know, I know immediately he's trying to sell something,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and that's something. And honestly, Walt, I've never dealt with this, which is why I'm choosing to talk about it. That's something that has always annoyed me, but I don't want to put up a no solicitor sign either, because I don't like what that says either, because mm-hmm. to put up a no solicitor sign, that's pronouncing to the world, I don't want you to come which means I'm focusing on, I don't want you to come, so of course they will. <laughs> of course. In
0: fact, I can take it a step further. If you put up a no solicitor sign and you get somebody canvassing who's experienced Dad, they'll say, ah, I'm definitely going to knock the door there because she put up that sign because she knows she's an easy mark. Great. That's exactly yeah. what I need.
1: Yeah. So I've thought that one through, which is why I don't have a sign. And I've thought to myself, well, I'll just cover this with my energy. Of I don't want people to come. Well, Mm -hmm. obviously, I've done a good job of that because I've been focused on I don't want you to show up at my door. And then they keep showing up at my door. Well, Mm. (laughs) so what I've been doing, and this is what I don't recommend, but it's what I've been doing is because I just realized what I've been doing (laughs) is I have been applying a Mm Band-Aid, trying to be as clever in my word usage as possible to try to make people go away Mm -hmm. when I don't Mm -hmm. want to be interrupted.
2: Right.
1: But almost every time, no matter what I say, even though I have found softer ways of saying things or even more precise ways of saying go away, but without being ugly and saying go away, I still end up feeling icky. I still feel like I was not kind enough or I wasn't being the fullness of who I am, which is I'm a kind woman. You know, and then I think, okay, so another strategy is, well, just don't answer the door. And I've done that sometimes because that to me is a way to avoid the feeling icky later. Because at least I didn't say anything that like I could feel guilty about later. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Here's an energy that I have not cleaned up. Because there's an energy in me that's still active that basically says, I am annoyed. I'm greatly annoyed because I feel like somebody has has interrupted my life without being welcome. I didn't ask them to come. I didn't want them to come. I didn't invite them to come. It's like they're sort of just barging right into my experience that I kind of had thought I had protected where I wasn't going to get dressed because I didn't want to go out and deal with the world. I just wanted to stay in my little cocoon in my house. And now somebody came and tried to barge into my cocoon.
2: Mhm yep. you
1: know, so I don't have an answer for this because i haven't I haven't figured it out yet. I haven't figured out why it is that that so annoys me um, well, like, I, th-
0: I, mean, I think so- you did part of an answer. I mean, the answer of not wanting to open the door at all that's part of an answer. It's not complete because, like you said, you didn't really clean up the energy that, that led up to the door being knocked on in the first place, but certainly, once you do a cleanup, you don't want to be going and answering the door. that just kind of undermines the whole cleanup operation, so you did half of it. you did half of it well.
1: I don't know. Honestly, how I would like this to end for me is so that if people want to come to my door, I will feel a sense of I'll either open the door or I won't. And if I do choose to open the door, I can graciously let them say what they have to say. And I'll either say, thank you, I'm interested, or no, thank you, I'm not.
0: That's fine. You can do that. Do you just have to, of course... Be willing to come to terms with the fact that that means you're going to get people coming to your door.
1: But I'm saying I'm not there yet. Because ah. I'm annoyed every time someone comes to my door. Like, I really want I, I really want to say my home is my personal castle. And, you know, you have to get permission in order to ring my doorbell. That's how I want to live my life. Because my home is my my private space. That's how I think of it. And I don't like people intruding upon my private space. You know, just like if somebody wants to call my phone, I have no problem anymore. It took me a while to get here, but I have no problem anymore just looking at the caller ID and just choosing not to answer it. Mm -hmm. If they want to leave a voicemail, they they can. But that's how I get people to not intrude upon my phone space.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But I haven't quite figured out the door thing. (laughs) Sometimes I don't answer the door. But yesterday, I really thought that – I kind of opened the door expecting there to be a package on my doorstep, and I went, oh, shoot, there's people out there instead. Uh-huh. And I kind of got caught, <laughs> which is dumb because I looked out the people, and I saw them, and I still opened the door. <laughs> don't ask. It was stupid. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's one of those energies. Like, and, and I'm saying this because I don't think this would have been something I would have ever considered a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. I would have just thought, oh, it's just something that is, and it's unavoidable. But I truly believe, because we're the creator of our own reality, that every experience that comes into our life, we have called to us, we have matched on some level. And I can see how, even though I wasn't needing his roofing services, that what I matched was, this is something I don't want but i'm focusing on that which i don't want and so that's how i called it to myself but i have an appreciation for it because it has brought to my attention that here's an energy that i have not cleaned up and it's way too easily activated for me to have a short fuse and it for me to get aggravated by
2: mm-hmm.
1: and mm-hmm. i don't want to have have that in my life
2: you know, i don't
1: want to be aggravated by something this trivial mm. You know, and that's the reason I'm talking about it. It's trivial. And yet at the same time, every time this trivial thing comes into my life, it causes aggravation that lasts for, you know, X amount of minutes. And I don't want to even waste X amount of minutes on not feeling joyful if
2: mm-hmm. I can
1: help it. And I can. Sure.
0: Yeah. That so makes sense. i will to
1: work on this one. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, as you were describing that, I was thinking to myself, so what strategy do I use with people coming to the the door? And as I framed the question, I realized I have an advantage that most people don't have. I stand six feet, eight inches tall. All I have to do is open the door and whoever's there takes a step back. (laughs) The, The entire dynamic instantly changes just because I'm standing in the door frame. So I don't really have to worry about it too much. It's pretty easy from that point on. <laughs> I don't know what the strategy would be if I didn't have that advantage. I'm, well, I'm sure I'd come up with one, but I don't see, know the, what it would be.
1: Like the world of Tony Robbins is very strategy-oriented. Much of the personal development um, gurus are very strategy-oriented. Do this, then this, then this. And what I've found when I started to really understand how to utilize the law of attraction, is that strategy should never be, at least for me, my first step. Cleaning up the energy is my first step. And then strategy can come later.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. In fact, that that first step is, I would describe it as essential. Um, So if I ask myself, what's my mindset where the energy is concerned what's my mindset as i'm going to the door the energy is usually let's see what is it it's one of two kinds really it's either i'm annoyed and i'm going to let my height just drive them away which actually feels a little bit good in a weird way (laughs) or or i'm i'm willing to accept that they're there and because i'm willing to accept that they're there and i'm willing to talk to them well actually there's a third one i can just do like you said i could just kind of ignore the that they're knocking on the door and go off and do something else and i'm fine with that i actually have done that on occasions um but if i'm willing to answer the door you know what my first thing is when i'm answering the door i'm I'm remembering my height again so the first thing i'm doing is i'm looking i'm looking at them and learning to smile as quickly as possible to put them at ease so you're right the mindset has to come first and I think really all you have all you have to do is do the same thing that you do with, with phone calls. You already have a mindset for the phone calls. You just need a mindset for the door.
1: So as you're talking, here's what's kind of developing in my in my thought process. Because I asked myself, why? Especially because I just I said I looked out the peak pole, I saw two men standing out there. And I processed this information very quickly. And because I still had it on my mind that I was looking for a package, I still opened the door. I asked myself, why, Wendy, if you knew that there were two men out there and they weren't holding a package, why did you open the door? And the response is because I was curious. And I went, really, what were you curious about? And I'm like, I don't know. But where my thoughts went to next was, I don't like to miss out on an opportunity. So okay. it's like, what if there was somebody out there giving away $50 million bills?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to check and the I'm bill because one, there's something wrong and with the bill.
2: Want,
1: <laughs> and the door would have been closed because I wouldn't have looked at it. Yeah,
2: that's true. You know?
1: And so while you were talking, I'm like, really? Are you really af- that afraid that you're going to miss out on an opportunity? And here's, this is an interesting thing because I've been working with the subject of missing out on opportunities lately. Um, I'll give you a wonderful example. So like, pro- I haven't talked about Project X today. Well, now I I'm wondered pop if we going
0: there, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so, you know, Project X is out there. It's, it's exciting. I feel the expansion of it, the knowingness of it, and it's all good. Um, and I know it's going to come in terms of an opportunity or many opportunities will avail themselves to me. And I've been asking the question, like, so like when the phone rings, I've been answering almost every phone call because I never know if the opportunity is going to come through the phone Mm. or what if the opportunity comes on the door Mm -hmm. or what if it comes through my email, just like you're an opportunity to do this show with you came through an email. Mm -hmm. So looking at that, it's like, I don't want to say no to opportunities. I want to be open to whatever is presented. So something came to me uh, via email a while back and, um, Ended up being something where somebody was offering something to me where I could, you know, be interviewed and kind of get some publicity, kind you could say. Mm-hmm. And so we talked. Um, and as we talked, lovely person, loved what the person was offering, but I didn't feel a connection to it.
2: Mm.
1: It like wasn't there. And there was a criteria that I actually did not meet for me to partake in what was being offered. Um, but there was kind of like, and the consolation prizes, but you could do blah, 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 which yeah, I right. said, yes, I'd be more than happy to, and I'm making light of it and being silly, but it was still a wonderful opportunity that I said, yes, when you're ready to do that, I'm more than happy to be a part of it. But I, the whole time we were having conversation on the phone, I was asking myself questions about, is this an opportunity that I should be saying yes to? Or And it was flat. Inside of me, it just felt flat, mm-hmm. even when... I was received the email a while back. It felt flat. And so, yesterday, after, you know, like I was really thinking this through, I went, hmm, what is there's something about this that's significant for me. What is it I'm wanting to, I'm needing to learn or know or recognize that I'm not quite catching? And then I got it. It's like this was so flat in my experience, so non exciting that. It wasn't – that would not be something the law of attraction would bring to me as as something that could be my Project X because Project X is all about passion and excitement.
2: Mm -hmm, Sure.
1: And this opportunity was anything but. It was nice, just like my job. I like my job. I'm not passionate about my job, but I like my job, and I'm good at my job. And this fell in one of those categories. I could do a good job here. Mm Mm-hmm. I, you know, but it wasn't something that was like, whoa <laughs> like when you and I talked and I wanted to be part of this radio show, I'm like, Oh my god, yes, this is it for me. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And what yesterday's experience showed me is I won't miss out the I won't miss an opportunity that Go of Attraction is handing to me. I'll know it when I see it.
0: Yes, that's right. I'll know it that's when it. I see it. Yep. That is the and key. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say that is the key. That's the whole point. When you understand that it's going to, you're not going to miss it, then you don't have to worry about what's behind the door. You don't have to worry about what's in the box where Carol Merrill is now standing. It's just not even relevant. (laughs) Well,
1: (laughs) because I was asking some specific questions yesterday. Why is it that I felt compelled to at least not delete that email? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes I'll go through all the junk email that comes to me and I'll hear delete, delete, delete. And I know my inner being is guiding me so as not to waste my time. And I delete a whole bunch of stuff. And then the stuff that doesn't get deleted, it's because that's the stuff that really there's something in it for me to learn. I mean, sometimes it's, have you ever gotten a link for somebody send you a YouTube and you listen to that YouTube clip? And then it it's on auto and then it's like three, it, three deep into it. That's when I go, that's the one I was supposed to hear today. That's the one that rings the bell.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: You know, and so, okay, how did that come to me? Cause someone sent me a link and I listened to it and then I was nowhere near it to turn it off and it kept going and going. <laughs> I don't miss anything. If I, if something's meant for me to see, hear, taste, tell, smut, blah, whatever, I'm going to get it. <laughs> And so what I what I learned the other over this weekend when I talked to this lovely lady was even though that was not a match for me at this particular time, I was at least it was it, it was important to me because I didn't delete it. Mm-hmm. And why? Because it was helping to teach me that I can't miss something.
0: That's good. That's very good. And
1: so okay, maybe I can now take that into. I'm going to dwell on this when it comes to the door. Can I be okay with just not answering the door when I don't want to answer the door without the fear of missing something? Because if I'm supposed to answer the door, I'll bet that day I'll have my clothes on, my makeup on, and I'll answer the door with a sense of, hello, would you like to come in?
0: (laughs) You know what? I think you have it nailed. I I think think that's it right there. Well,
1: y'all just got to hear me. That's what processing is for Wendy. That's exactly (laughs) how it looks because that's how I do it.
0: Speaking of processing, I got about, uh, we, we have less than a minute left, so I'll have to be quick. Um, an announcement starting this coming Sunday, David and I are moving our podcast to the evening hours. Instead of doing it in the morning, we're now going to be doing 8, 8, 8 p.m. Sunday night. Um, there may be times where it may start a little bit later, but generally we're aiming for 8 p.m. Sunday night. So, yet another opportunity for people who haven't been able to call. Well, here's another opportunity to call, especially if you're in the U.S. on you know, the, the left hand or the right hand side of the country, even on the left hand side of the country, because at that hour, you know, it's still fairly late in the day, might be a good time to call. Um, but you know, there's something to look forward to. And Wendy, how do they reach out to you if they need a little personal assistance?
1: Wendy com
0: there it is just as simple as that Wendy it's been great it's a whole lot easier than the one we did this morning I can tell you I'm looking forward to what Tom's going to come up with we
1: covered all of a half a page today and we
0: did a whole page a half a half a whole page a whole half half page page. I don't know what it was it (laughs) it was fun though that was the good part hey let's do it again tomorrow what do you say
1: you got it I'll be here
0: and I'll be here as well we hope you'll join us too here on LOA today goodbye everybody
1: bye-bye now